A lot of people pronounce this different ways. It is philemon. It's Greek. It's where we get our word philemonion from. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But it's a good way to remember how to pronounce it. It is philemon. We'll go ahead and look here in verse uh, 1. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved, and fellow laborer. Uh, So we're starting this brand new study tonight of this very short letter that the Apostle Paul wrote when he was a prisoner at Rome. It's a beautiful, powerful, compassionate letter about a runaway slave. Because Paul was a prisoner at Rome, he began his letter by saying, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Legally speaking, Paul was actually a prisoner of the Roman government. He was in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and no other crime. But he was in prison for that because it was an offense to the Jews. It was an offense to the pagans as well. So the Roman government put Paul in prison, not because Paul was breaking the law, but because it was politically expedient for the government to do so. And governments do that today as well. But before Paul was a prisoner of Jesus Christ, he was a servant of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul was a prisoner because Paul was a servant. Paul was in prison because he had been following the Lord Jesus Christ with all of his heart. And knowing that God was in control of all things, Paul knew that his imprisonment did not take God by surprise. Now let me ask you, if I'm following Jesus, each and every day I get up out of bed, Lord, I present myself to you a living sacrifice today. Help me to follow you with my whole heart. In Jesus' name, amen. That whole day. I try my best to do what the Lord wants me to do. And I keep in prayer and I do what God wants me to do. And I follow Him and I follow Him and I follow Him. And then one day I step into prison. Not for any crime I did, but for following Jesus. One day I run into trouble. Not for any crime I did, but because I was following Jesus. If I'm following Jesus and I run into trouble, how did I get into trouble? If I'm following Jesus, Jesus led me into trouble. If I'm following, then someone must be leading. You can't have a follower without a leader. As a good friend of mine once said, Lindsey Ray, he he was pastoring a church and they were stubborn. He got up, he said, folks, a leader without a follower, a leader without followers is just a man going on a walk. (laughs) That's what he said. And Jesus wasn't just going on a walk. Paul was following him. And again, knowing that God was in control, he knew they didn't take God by surprise. He had been following God, and that meant that Paul had followed God into the jailhouse. Through God's sovereign providence, he is the one who led Paul into the chains that bound him. 
You think, oh, why would God do something like that? You know what? It doesn't even matter why God would do something like that. That's one thing that we don't want to do when we're following God and we run into trouble. We're following God and we come down with some severe illness. We're following God and the world comes against us. The question is not to try to figure out why. Those, that, that's something God doesn't always owe us an answer to. So don't say, well, why would God do something like that to Paul? The main thing is to understand that Paul was there in prison because of God's sovereign will. He's the one that led Paul into the chains that bound him. Paul being bound in a Roman jail was no different than Joseph being bound in an Egyptian jail in the book of Exodus. Isn't that right? Joseph was following God. And Joseph followed God all the way to Potiphar's house, all the way to the jailhouse. You know what? God had a plan for Joseph, didn't he? Did God tell Joseph what that plan was when Joseph was sold into slavery to the Ishmaelites? Nope. Did God tell Joseph what that plan was when Joseph was a slave for Potiphar? Nope. Did God tell Joseph what that plan was when he was put in jail for a crime he didn't commit? No, he didn't. It wasn't until everything unfolded that finally Joseph was able to say, God sent me here to preserve life. God had a plan for Joseph. God had a plan for Paul. And as long as you are following God, then you, like Paul, can have the confidence of knowing that he led you into the circumstance that you're in. That's good stuff, folks. He said, Paul, a prisoner of whom? Of Jesus Christ. He knew Jesus was the one who put that chain on him. Are you in prison for being a Christian? Then you're a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Are you stricken with some severe illness while you're following Jesus? Then you're the afflicted of Jesus Christ. Wasn't Paul afflicted as well? A messenger of Satan sent to buffet him, lest he be exalted above measure? Paul not only was the prisoner of Jesus Christ, he first was the afflicted of Jesus Christ. Are you hated by all men for Jesus' namesake? Then you're the outcast of Jesus Christ. Think about prison for a moment. What is prison? Prison is a place that holds you captive against your will. How many of y'all have been in a situation before that was completely against your will and there wasn't enough money in the world to buy you out of it? You didn't have enough political clout to get you out of it. There wasn't anything in the world you could do to get yourself out of that situation. Whether it's physical illness or work circumstances or, or whatever it was. Affliction that came on your home. Some embarrassing situation that, that haunted you. Whatever it was. That's a prison that holds you captive against your will. We know from experience there are many things that hold us captive against our will. Not just iron bars and concrete walls. But circumstances in life that we long to free ourselves from. But nevertheless, they lock us up and refuse to let us go. 
lose a loved one, can't ever get them back. That's a prison. Can't get out of it. Why would God lead us into prison? Why, why would he do that? Wouldn't that hinder us from doing God's will? Why did God lead Paul into prison? You'd think, you'd, you'd, you'd think, well, that would hinder the gospel. Had Paul took the wrong attitude, it would have hindered the gospel. But because Paul yielded, because Paul knew, I'm not just a prisoner here. Paul didn't look around at his circumstances. He looked up to his Savior. He said, I'm not a prisoner of these guys. I'm a prisoner of my Lord, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And so whatever prison you're in, if you followed God into that prison, then you're a prisoner of Jesus Christ. If you followed your rebellious heart into that prison that you're in, then you're reaping what you've sown. And you're not a prisoner of Jesus Christ, but you know what? God's grace is sufficient for you. And he can redeem uh, that, that situation you're in and still use you in spite of it. But I'm speaking to people tonight who are prisoners of Jesus Christ due to some circumstance they're in while they're following the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth is, the prison actually furthered Paul's work with the gospel. And if we will recognize ourselves as prisoners of Jesus Christ, it will further our work too. Paul was so hated for preaching the gospel that people were trying to kill him. So the prison, at least for the time, it provided Paul a safe place to work. God gave Paul an all-expense-paid security team. <laughs> he, he didn't lock Paul out. Uh, Paul out or he, he locked the other people out from Paul is what he was doing. Because the letter we're reading tonight, what is that? That's Paul ministering to us in 2021 A.D. from the prison that he was in. Isn't that amazing? Here we are being ministered, growing in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because that man was put in prison and we happened to get a hold of a letter from it. He was given a safe place to share God's word both through his personal witness to the people there at Rome and the prison and, and, and all. And as well as the letters that we're reading tonight, the, the prison epistles. It was like, again, God provided him his own security detail. How did Joseph, when Joseph was in the Egyptian prison, how did Joseph get promoted to being ruler of Egypt? He got promoted from the jailhouse. Isn't that something? He was discovered... And promoted from the jailhouse. How was Paul able to write this letter and many others for us to read? He was able to write them from the security of his cell at the jailhouse. And how will God provide for you to bring him glory and further his will in your life? It may be through the next heartache that lies ahead. I found that in my life. I found the time I've hurt the most is when I learn the most and when God does the most. It could be that God does the same with you. If you'll recognize that you are a prisoner of Jesus Christ. God had a plan for Joseph. God had a plan for Paul. God has a plan for you. Everybody suffers in life. Whether depression, ailment. 
whatever it is. Everybody suffers in life. But if you follow God into inescapable suffering, then you can do so knowing that God is your prison master. So Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, was the sender of this letter. First, look back in your text, and Timothy, our brother, as well. Timothy had faithfully accompanied Paul in his missionary travels, and Paul included him in this letter because Timothy was in agreement with Paul about what Paul was about to say. And though Paul often included other people in his salutations, including Timothy, in this letter might serve to help persuade Philemon uh, and, uh, and, and the one who is titled, this letter is titled after, it may help persuade him having a couple of men writing him rather than just one. Because Paul was about to address the situation with Philemon that was a little awkward. A little awkward. Perhaps and probably a matter of contention, in fact, for Philemon. And so Paul was going to be delicate with this. Paul was also going to use wisdom and tact. And he had Timothy included in this address. And even though Paul wrote with divine authority... Two people writing the letter, of course, naturally places more weight on the reader's mind. And uh, Timothy was referred to here as their brother. Because both the senders and the receivers of this letter were mutually related together by their faith in Jesus Christ. And their new birth in Christ as we all are here tonight. And Paul and Timothy wrote this letter, look back in your text, unto Philemon. Philemon was the main addressee of this letter. And Paul described this man Philemon as, look at your text, our dearly beloved. Paul and Timothy, therefore, were very close to Philemon. He had their respect, and that meant Philemon was a man of God. Philemon shared the heart of Christ and loved the gospel as Paul and Timothy did. Philemon loved the Lord Jesus so much that he actively supported the gospel ministry. How do we know this? Because Paul said, you are our dearly beloved, look in your text, and fellow laborer. And these two go hand in hand, dearly beloved and fellow laborer. Why do they go hand in hand? Because if you serve with someone in the gospel, then you dearly love that person in the gospel. Nothing brings uh, brethren together like serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing knits our hearts together like a common love for Jesus and, and having our, than having our necks under the same sanctified yoke. And pulling together for the gospel's sake. Plowing the same field step by step together. I suppose there's no greater title than that of a fellow laborer of Jesus Christ. A fellow laborer. Wow. Listen, God did not put us here to sit in the stands and watch other Christians serve Jesus. Sadly, that, that's the way it is for a lot of Christians, though. But God didn't put us here to watch other Christians serve Jesus. He doesn't want us to be fellow spectators. Never would Paul say to Philemon, our fellow spectator in Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us to be spectators. He wants us to be fellow laborers. In Matthew chapter 20, 
Jesus spoke a parable in which he described himself as a man who was looking for workers to go work in his vineyard. Are you working in his vineyard right now? The work of the gospel comes in many ways. Someone told me the other day, they said uh, they were talking about uh, the... uh, the, the booklets and the different things that are going out. And someone said, you're an extraordinary man, Richard. And I said, oh, no, 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 I'm not. I'm no extraordinary man. I said, I do have an extraordinary gift. I said, but so do the other people. I said, every person is gifted. Every believer is gifted by God if they'll just commit that gift to God. And I started explaining I said, I can't get these tracks facilitated and printed and shipped off on those ships. To the field. I, I don't have that capability. I don't have the contacts. I don't have the knowledge. I don't, I don't have the time. God hasn't placed it on my heart. I don't have it. But Bill Barker can. I can't print those booklets. I can't print them. But that man in Tennessee can't. He can't do what I do. I can't do what he does. None of us can do what Bill does. Someone donated the other day to have them printed and shipped. They got more money than I do. But that person that sent the money can't do what I do, what Bill does, what the man in Tennessee does. You see how that works? We should be fellow laborers. You see, when you have all those different parts working together to get that one common thing done, you're looking at fellow laborers. You're looking at different members in the body of Christ and that body working as one cohesive unit. It's very beautiful. Very beautiful. And then you've got some that are committing to prayer because that's all they have to give. And the truth is, prayer is what's pushing that ship across the water. No doubt in my mind. But the question is, are you actively, whether praying or giving or serving in some capacity for the Lord Jesus Christ right now? Do you have something on your heart where you're saying, this is what I'm doing for Jesus. This is my place. If not, pray. You can at least do that. But pray that God will show you how to get involved. But Jesus, as he described himself as a man looking for workers to go into his vineyard there in Matthew 20, it says that, that he saw this these men congregated in the marketplace, and Jesus asked them, and if you're not serving Jesus, I'm going to ask you the same question that Jesus asked those men. Jesus asked them, why stand ye here all the day idle? Why why are you wasting your time when there's so much work that needs to be done? Why? If you're not serving the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you're here, whether you're on the air, whether you're someone watching in the future tuning in, 
If you're not, why stand ye here all the day idle? Why are you wasting your life? Get up, Christian. Go to work. Because there's work to do for your Lord. And He will pay you fair wages for your service to Him when He comes again. Paul wrote this letter to Philemon, his dearly beloved fellow laborer, verse 2, and to our beloved Aphia. Aphia was a female Christian, possibly Philemon's wife, which would explain why they would include her in the letter to Philemon. If she was his wife, and she certainly would have a, a stake in the subject that Paul was about to address about this runaway slave. And knowing the family dynamic and how God makes the family up, it would be very advantageous for her to share the same heart with her husband about this matter. Would it not? Men, doesn't it make it easy when your wife is in agreement with you on a subject? Especially a difficult one. Now, Tammy will tell you, if I think something's right, I don't care what she says. I'm going to do what I think the Lord wants me to do. I'm going to do it. By God's grace, if, if I believe it's what God wants me to do, I'd be wrong not to do it. And she'll be the first to tell you, she'd be very disappointed in me if I didn't. She would. But if she was his wife, it'd be very advantageous for her to share the same heart as her husband. There have been many godly men who've been persuaded by their wives to do something that they knew was not the will of God. Adam and Eve, hello. There have also been many godly men who have done the will of God, but after they made the decision to obey God, they've been greatly discouraged and chastised by their wives because they didn't agree with the decision their husbands made. And so they're serving God, and so their wife being the wind behind their back, Ball and chain, they got to drag around. So Paul's including her in this letter. It's expedient for her to be included. Paul, knowing that Philemon was the head of the home, but also knowing that Aphia was a godly woman as well, and that Philemon would be much benefited by her agreeable spirit as he carried out the will of God. And wives, let me just pause here to, re, to, to reflect on this for a moment. That if God puts something on your husband's heart, and men can be wrong. Men can be wrong. The good thing is this. If you support your husband, your husband makes a bad decision, God's not going to hold you accountable for it. He's going to hold him accountable for it. Unless it's sinful, of course. You can't support him in that. If it's sin... But here in this case, it wasn't sin. Paul was about to ask Philemon to do something that was righteous, that was godly, that was, that was rooted in, in, in gospel love. And so ladies and men, do what's right. And if your husband's doing what's righteous, get behind him and push with an agreeable spirit. Paul wrote to those two, Philemon and Aphia, look back in your text, and also Archippus, Paul said, our fellow soldier. 
Archippus was a minister of some type at the, the, the Colossian church. If you're taking notes, write down Colossians 4.17. Paul actually addressed him in Colossians, the letter of the Colossian church. Paul said, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The ministry God gave you to do, Archippus, you make sure and do that ministry. And now here he's calling Archippus a fellow soldier. And that word in the Greek has the the idea of someone enduring hardship. Someone like a soldier, like a good soldier, who is suffering affliction on the battlefield. Nevertheless, they continue to take orders. They continue to march toward the goal and to fulfill the mission, regardless of the harsh circumstances of battle, that they, 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 they war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and all those things. But, but Archippus was in a spiritual battle. He was suffering, but he was steadfast in the mission God sent him to do. And so Archippus was called a fellow soldier. Not only do we want to be fellow laborers, But we want to be fellow soldiers. You know what the difference is between a fellow laborer and a fellow soldier? A fellow laborer is someone who starts off and they're doing the will of God. They're working, they're going, they're doing, they're a fellow laborer. And the circumstances get so harsh, fellow laborer gives us two weeks notice and they check out. (laughs) Fellow soldier is someone that no matter what, You still follow the will of the great general above you, right? The captain of the host, as the Lord Jesus was called in the book of uh, Joshua. As captain of the Lord's host, am I come? He told Joshua, I'm the captain of this army. So we want to be good soldiers. We want to be fellow soldiers as well. And that means no matter what, no matter how harsh it gets, no matter how bad things get, No matter how much we suffer, we want to be faithful unto death. Fellow soldiers, enduring hardness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Always dependable, whether in a foxhole or in a mansion. Knowing that we're going to be faithful to the Lord Jesus. So this gives us some insight into into where Philemon apparently lived. And Paul addresses this Archippus in this letter as well, perhaps enjoining his support, especially if he serves in a pastoral role or, or some spiritual role there in the church, uh, and, uh, and making sure that the spiritual leadership was on the same page with Philemon. Some believe that Archippus was uh, Philemon and uh, Aphia's son. Uh, I don't know that's the case. It's uh, conjecture. But nevertheless, we do know that he was a man of God who was a minister of some sort in the Colossian church. And so, uh, uh, being in spiritual leadership, it would also be important that he have the right mind, especially if he was in a pastoral role or uh, of that Colossian church. Because when they send this man back, this runaway slave back, then not only would the the, 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 the owner have to have the right heart, and the wife have to have the right heart, but the church would have to have the right heart. And so it follows the next person or group he writes to, look back, and to the church in the house. So Archippus and the church, when the early church was formed, they didn't commonly meet in church buildings. 
as we do today, they met in the homes of other believers. Generally agreed that the person's house being referred to here is Philemon's, not Archippus. So why, why is Paul addressing the church about something personal between him and Philemon? Again, Paul was about to speak to Philemon about a particular man, a runaway bondservant. And Paul plans on sending him back to Philemon. He ran away. Paul says, go back. <laughs> about that. But, but again, he wants to make sure everyone's on the same page about him sending this runaway slave back. See, this bond servant, this slave had become a Christian. So when he returned, he would not only need to be accepted as a servant by Philemon, but now as a brother in the church of Jesus Christ. So this letter seems to address every part of a Christian society. A man, a family, a pastor, and a church. So we should all view this letter tonight as having a special message to each and every one of us in our own capacities. As believers in Jesus Christ. And to these believers, Paul said, verse 3, grace to you and peace. For this is what Jesus came to give. He came to give grace that we might have peace with God through the blood of his cross. Before Paul mentions this delicate matter with Philemon, he sends them blessings of grace and peace. Not from himself, look back in your text, but from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And if God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ... If they give sinners like Philemon and his family and his church grace and peace, making the connection here, then how much more should Philemon and Archippus and Aphia and the church give grace and peace to this runaway slave? There is no better way to prepare a human heart to graciously forgive and receive another person than by reminding that person of how God first graciously received and forgave them by Jesus Christ. And that's where we'll stop for tonight. And I can't wait to get back into here next week because this letter gets good, folks. It gets good. We'll stop there tonight. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for all you've done. I thank you for these precious people. Thanks for those, Lord, who so faithfully tune in live. They're not here to touch us. They're not here to hug us. They can't interact with us except for on the phone, Lord. But, Lord, they're so faithful to attend and to give and to pray and to serve. Thank you for those, Lord, who come in from a hard day's work stressful day at school or work or wherever they were and they set it aside when their flesh tempts them Lord to stay home just kick back and relax after they eat supper and instead of have to get up and go to church but they come anyway and they open your word and they get fed And they're able to chew on your truth. Thank you for those, Lord, who come. And by coming, Lord, who pray with us and who join with us, Father, in 
in fellowship and mutually encouraging each and every believer, Father, by their presence here. Thank you, Lord, for the grace and the peace that you've given us through God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that whether we fit into the category of Aphia or Philemon or Archippus or just a member of the church, Lord, we fit into this letter. It's a letter written to us. And I pray, Lord, by your grace that we will pleasantly swallow all the great doctrine inside as we go through it. We ask in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.